gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! going on junkie nation gorgeous george and goes reporting for duty here on a monday ready to talk to you about the events that took place this back past weekend including um bellator 277 up in san jose and of course the ufc fight night here in las vegas no guests today so we can you know dive into some of these important fights and uh react to them so all the latest news, of course, all the latest controversies coming your way. It's MMA Junkie Radio on a Monday, April 18th. All right, so I hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, spring is definitely upon us. Easter, it's usually never this late, but yesterday was Easter. To those that celebrate or any other religious holiday, I uh, hope you had a wonderful day of reflection and celebration and, of course, with your families. Um, Bellator 277 took place on Friday night, and, you know, I was really excited to get some resolution one way or another or maybe an exciting storyline that can come out of uh, a fight, you know, that that maybe doesn't resolve itself or we don't move on from it for example the light heavyweight grand prix they kept calling it the world light heavyweight grand prix so i guess i have to call it that whereas the ufc titles are not the world titles they're just the ufc heavyweight title whatever uh cory anderson versus vadim nemkov they went at it there vadim nemkov was simultaneously defending his bellator light heavyweight title versus every opponent throughout the grand prix so in this case he was doing that versus Corey anderson as well as they were the finalists in the world heavyweight world light heavyweight grand prix and and of course the millie can't forget about that seven figures holla um they right before the end of the third round they had a clash of heads um, i guess i'm skipping right to it to the controversy but uh i thought it was turning out to be a good performance from Corey anderson and likely a championship for performance from Corey anderson when they collided heads when he was on top of vadim nemkov ground and pounding he had delivered a nice elbow that we all thought was gonna really really you know uh cut him show a lot of damage but not too long after that they collided heads and we saw blood and so a lot of confusion it was three seconds before the end of the third round vadim nemkov gestures as in to say Hey, you know, I'm cut or I'm or something. Uh, you know, he's Russian, and I I don't know if he verbally said headbutt or help or yikes, who knows? But Corey Anderson clearly also postures up and says, "Hey, we collided heads to referee Frank Trigg, who, if I'm not mistaken, this may have been his first title fight. Congrats to Frank Trigg. Uh, that's a big moment for refs, whether you agree or disagree with the whole handling. Let's put that to the side, but um. So the fight stops with three minutes, sorry, three seconds left before round three. They obviously have a big huddle, commission officials, Bellator officials, the corners. But you could tell Corey Anderson's uh, corner, along with Coach Mark Henry, Agent Ali Abdelaziz, and the others, 
they are feeling confident like oh, oh you know i win <laughs> he can't continue because right away uh the doctor came in and said nope no nope, i looked at the cut he can't continue and um so everyone's trying to figure out what's what Mauro Ronaldo, big john mccarthy but slowly we all started figuring out wait a minute if that was an accidental headbutt um you have to reach round three of a title fight for it to go to the judges' scorecards. In a three-round fight, you have to reach round two, the end of round two. Had that fight ended three more seconds later, in other words, Medim's like gesturing, I'm in pain or whatever, and maybe Anderson isn't honest Dave Lincoln and just keeps smothering him, we'll say. Three seconds later, that thing goes off. I'm telling you, it's done. Corey Anderson's a millionaire. Corey Anderson wins because I believe he would have won on the judges' scorecards, and we would have had a new champion. So we would have had resolution to the World Light Heavyweight Grand Prix. We would have had a new champion, a rich champion. Um, and none of that happened, goes because it was ruled a no contest. Yeah, I mean, we'll eventually get into the other card too. But this weekend wasn't the greatest weekend of fights. Um, this fight in particular, you could just tell Corey Anderson, barring some kind of mistake, was probably just going to go on and win this fight. But this situation really sours everything, and this is kind of why the UFC doesn't do these types of things, these Grand Prix or these tournaments anymore, because they don't like these situations. Even though, really, when you think about it, it still kind of happens to them anyway, right, with, like, uh, Jan and, and Sterling. Right. But if you look at the totality of how many times Bellator's tried to do this, they haven't had that many hiccups when it comes to Grand Prix. It just so happens that they're starting to have a lot of them now. Now, for a final to end this way, it sucks for many reasons. The fans don't want to see that. The fighters don't want to see that. You got to remember, Corey Anderson and Vadim Nevkov have just basically been in giant camps that haven't ended. We interviewed Corey Anderson a couple weeks ago, and he was just excited about moving on with life, plans, being able to eat, all that. All that just got thrown out the window. Hell, you even mentioned Ali Abdelaziz, who's in the cage. He's probably sitting there thinking, man, that big check that I probably could have got a nice percentage out of, that went away. So, I mean, it, it sucks on all accounts. It sucks that we were so close to getting to the end of the round where that just would have ended things, even though, like, I'm not the biggest fan of that. But, uh, yeah, this just sucks all the way around, especially when one guy was kind of dominating the fight. Yeah, and one thing I failed to, to state was, okay, how is it left? It's left, like Go said, the World Light Heavyweight Grand Prix is still in its final stage. It hasn't been resolved. No one's a millionaire. That's still out there. And no one took home the World Light Heavyweight Grand Prix belt. Basically, Anderson and Nemkov are still finalists. However, Nemkov went home with the uh, undisputed belt. He's still the light heavyweight champion. And it doesn't matter in terms of you're not hearing me say pay-per-view points because that really doesn't function at Bellator. But he's still the champ. And basically, the next time they fight, he'll be putting that title up against Corey Anderson while they go for the million dollars and the World Light Heavyweight Grand Prix. But Anderson still goes home as champ. And, uh, Sorry. Nemkov. Anderson did not go home with a belt at all. Mark Henry would have got a nice little taste as well. You know, when they get home, about a day or two of interviews, relaxing, and then all of a sudden most a lot of fighters have told us, oh, man, I got to go to the gym. A lot of them get their props, their high fives, their pictures. Like, 
round of applause. But then those guys are handing out envelopes to the coaches that helped them, the percentages they agreed to. They sort that out, you know, and uh, and then, yeah, usually then vacation time. That won't be happening. And it's not, you know, there's nothing Anderson can do about it. What he could have done that night, though, is if he and he was disappointed once Trigg told him because Trigg first came over to the Nemkov corner and said it's going to be a no contest. It was an accidental headbutt. He was explaining this to Nemkov. I think he may have even said, you know, you're 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 still champ. Then I saw him explain it to Fedor. And those guys were probably, whew. You know, well, granted, this guy's eyes fucked up. He had a really deep cut above the eyebrow. That's messed up. Stitches. Um, you know, and 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 facial scarring or whatever. That that's was in his future for sure. And but then he kind of talks to the officials and some other people and then he made over his way over to anderson about two minutes later and said oh this is what's going down and then they you could tell were upset and confused and by the way let me use this as an opportunity to tell you that's why fighters don't get too much um, they don't get too much they don't carry as much weight a lot of the time i'm grouping them all together by the way all 600 UFC, however many Bellator has, PFL, whatever. They don't know the rules just as much as fans don't know the rules, most of them. And, uh, and, and, and arguably even media. We're all in a state of confusion. And therefore, when on fight nights, when people are arguing back and forth, 10-8 Aljo, 10-9 Aljo, 9-10-9, shut up. That's just your opinion. Other credible people in the sport think something else, but in reality, everyone's rushing to recollect the, the the rules and what's happening and what it should be. I even had some hesitation, wondering what the heck's going on. We'll get we'll get into that at the UFC. I think a mistake was made there, but here, um, yeah, we basically, um, you know, it, it, let's just say Anderson had not only finished round three, but come out and. Five seconds into round four, they looked at the cut again. They go, wait a minute, stop the fight. What they would have done was gone to the, ju gone to the judges' scorecards, and then they judge all three rounds, and whatever portion of round four had taken place, if I'm not mistaken. As ridiculous as that sounds, I think they would even judge five seconds of round four. Maybe they go 10-10 if nothing happened, but if one guy did a flying knee you know, or something, guess who's getting a 10-9? Anyway, um, but yeah, man. So if if Anderson maybe just when they collided heads, if they just smothered, because I don't think Trigg initially noticed it. He would have probably noticed the eye, the cut. But in that time, remember he had heard a clapper. He motioned probably to the clapper, and then he probably got in a little bit of a closer position to both fighters if he needed to stop them. But because they were on top of each other, or one was on top of the other, I don't think Trigg had. That's more one. That's more where you just kind of stop the guy on top, and make sure he doesn't do anything else to the one on the bottom, and then they get up. You, they're not both standing fighters where all of a sudden a spinning elbow, a spinning back fist, um, a, a back a back kick, you know, a flying back, whatever. None of that can really happen, and so for the referee, it's a little bit easy for them just kind of be ready to pounce on it. So who knows? I, I may be wrong if Anderson just kind of lays on top of him. Maybe Trigg makes it in there with one second left. I don't know. But to me, it didn't look like his re initial reaction was, 
you know, to just intervene either. Anderson kind of motioned to him, and then there was a stoppage. So, again, uh, I don't really fault Trigg um, because I don't know what he would have done in those last three seconds. But let's just say Anderson maybe smothered him. Three seconds go off. They go to the judges' scorecards. Goes, we're talking a whole different narrative. I think um, I think Trick reacted more off of Corey Anderson, mm-hmm. off of his reaction. I think that's really what sealed the deal. That's probably probably gonna piss Corey Anderson off, you know, when he when he watches that again, because he saw at the end, like I think he threw a water bottle, so he was pretty pissed off. But I'm kind of torn on what I like to happen in those decisions because I really like fights to have a finale to them you know like i want them to go to the end i don't really like going to the judge scorecards too much that makes sense in boxing because so much of the fight has taken place but in mma um you tend to see more all you need is one second and that fight can be over in boxing you don't you don't really see that right so for me i think i would rather just no contest and just do it again yeah then i would say a grand prix ended on a technicality like that. I, I, I'm not a big fan of that. So I think I would lean more towards if, uh, if I'm going to make a change, just make it a no contest and run it again. Yeah. I do want to say this goes that elbow that Anderson threw that looked like it could do what wound up happening. You know, when we looked at his eye, a lot of us probably thought that um, the elbow could have done that. It could be that trig may have even thought that, you know what I mean? Because it was an elbow a few seconds before their heads collided, and I think even Morrow and John alluded to, well, which one was it or whatever, but I think Anderson's corner was talking about that elbow was what kind of did that or, you know, was part of that as well. Um, so that, that may have added to it, but at the same time, even though Frank Trigg is our former co-host years ago, our probably lifelong friend, even we don't see him as much, you know, but I, I think he's definitely a relationship we'll hang on to for the rest of our lives. Um, in no way are we white knighting for him. Uh, I'm just giving you every single possible consideration of what may have been happening at that moment. You know, what people may have been thinking. Because remember, it's all happening so fast. When you see the instant replay, you go, oh, look, that's where their heads collided. Look, look, the impacts are, you know, that's all happening right there. But when it's happening super fast, and you're wor- you got a lot of things that you're worried about, um, you may not see it initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think Trigg did the right thing with the right rule set. It's mm-hmm. just um, I don't think the rule set really works out. I think maybe that needs to be tweaked. Yeah, and then um, Anderson, although he was pissed, goes, is right, he had the water bottle moment or whatever. I thought after that goes, the way he collected himself, he seemed to be pretty classy to me. I haven't seen any post fight, but to me, inside the or sorry, the, the Bellator cage, he seemed classy in hugging him, shaking his hand, shaking the corner's hand, realizing, you know, I'm one half of you know of, of our heads colliding. It wasn't an intentional headbutt, and so that I got to applaud them because a lot of fighters obviously can uh, carry it on, you know, uh, all the way into the locker room. But he didn't appear to do that. I think part of his frustration is for about two minutes, he probably thought he was a millionaire. Yeah. And found out he wasn't. So just put yourself in that shoes. If you're playing slots or whatever, and all of a sudden you think you want a million dollars, and there's a technicality that tells you, no, you didn't, 
how would you react, right? Those sevens that come down, have you seen the new machines where there's like this little boop, it also drops, like one of the rows drops later on. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's in your favor. The seven can be a half spot above, and then it drops, and then you have your three sevens. But in this case, it was three sevens, and then it dropped right below. Um, unfortunate, man. It really was unfortunate. I can't fault Bellator because I love the fact that their winners get a million dollars. I love the fact that they're kicking off the Bantamweights this week. And so far, they've had what? Welter? Heavyweight? Featherweight? Two of the three had million-dollar stakes. And now light heavyweight could have been resolved and have Bantamweight would be getting, getting kicked off. Um, still unfortunate that the poor lightweights were never able to, to do it. Usually any division, your lightweights are your most stacked division, or at least you have the easiest to get eight competent ones to participate. But Bellator just, they only have like four. You know, I think I can only name four, maybe six if you really push me. You know, put me under hypnosis. Think, think, George, you know, and then I'd go, oh, yeah, there's that. And then I'd rattle off two names, uh, like a Hail Mary. Uh, in the main event, and uh, A.J. McKee Jr. defended his belt against uh, Patricio Pitbull Frady. Sorry. Well, that's what he was doing. He was putting his title defense up. And after five rounds, the referees, sorry, the judges uh, decided that Pitbull Frady was the winner. It was unanimous across the board. Some 49-46 love and some 48-47 love. And a shock look on AJ McKee as Pitbull was pronounced the uh, featherweight champion again for the third time. And this is his fourth title reign. If you include the lightweight title that he has arguably the greatest now Bellator fighter ever, he hangs the first L on AJ McKee and he's now uh one and one against AJ McKee. So let's get back to resolution and moving on and, you know, things like that. Well, McKee wanted to move up to 155. In fact, at the end, he said, I'm done with 45. But Pitbull says, well, if you're fighting me for a third time, it's at 45. So who knows? Who knows how that one will get resolved? Who doesn't want to see that trilogy? The first fight wasn't necessarily great because it ended so quick. But their rivalry has been great. And, and fight number two was pretty great. I personally had it AJ McKee, 48-47. Um, but I'm okay with the score that's being rendered. Uh, I, I'm not calling for a robbery, but man, the stats really lean towards AJ McKee. Uh, it, it's just that you have to remember that you could have stats that favor you, but if you won two rounds overwhelmingly and someone just nips three rounds from you, those stats can also be a little misleading. But the, the if you were if you were to judge it as a pride fight then I think you'd have a better case for, for uh, A.J. McKee, uh, meaning judging the fight in its entirety. You almost have to explain that. Pride pretty much has been gone since 2006, so there may there's a lot of fans that weren't even born in 2006. They may be going, what's Pride, pal? But, yeah, Pride was uh, one of the top leagues back in the day where they judged the totality of the fight, not individual rounds. What were your thoughts on the main event? Did you agree with that scorecard? What was your scorecard? Well, I had to rewatch it a couple times, and it's not as bad as people make it sound to be. Um, it was a close fight. I think what's really going to bother AJ McKee is when he goes back and watches it, he's just going to see that he could have done more. You know, he spent a lot of his rounds trying to counterattack, 
and Pitbull just wasn't feeding him. So it would put him in these odd situations. I think that's why it would look that way on the scorecard, on the stats, sorry. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm okay with Pitbull winning that fight. It, 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 it sucks because AJ won the first one so convincingly, and you right. felt like AJ could have done more, and all it really took was a little bit more, and he probably wouldn't have that surprised look on his face at the end of the fight. But, uh, you know, who knows now, like, with, with his contract situation, with him wanting to go to 155, who knows what, what happens going forward. But I'll tell you this much. Uh, that dream of being that prospect that gets a lot of money, that free agent that gets a lot of money from the UFC or something, that might have gone away. I don't think that's going to happen now. And I think George is frozen. So George will come back soon. But yeah, so you have to remember, he was fighting out, AJ McKee was fighting out what is called the championship clause. So the way that works is, uh, his contract had ended, but because he was a champion, he had to fight out what could be, I believe it's one year or three fights, whichever he does first. And I think that's what he was in at the moment. So this was the first fight of that. Um, he kind of shared a little bit with us of what was going on, but we didn't know exactly uh, the time limit, or I, I believe he did say three fights, and I believe it is one year. Um, if you lose, though, in that time period, I don't know if now the contract is null and void or, or how that works out, but that could have been his moment, you know? I, let's just say, I mean, three fights in a year is starting to be a little bit tougher, but let's just say he fought one more, one again. Now he's a big free agent, and now there's a possibility, especially with all this talk with Alexander Volkanovsky, that he could go over to the UFC, get a big paycheck. Didn't really work out for free agent Kayla Harrison, right? But if you look at somebody like Michael Chandler, that worked out. He got paid pretty handsomely. And I think he's enjoyed that move over to the UFC. So we'll have to see going forward what ac actually happens here with AJ McKee. But uh, that really, really hurt him a lot when you think about it. You know, really, really hurt everything that he had going on. So that's the situation there in the main event, and we're probably going to, I would assume, see a third fight. AJ McKee is a competitor, and I just don't see a, a world where he doesn't want to go in and get that one back. But really, he's going to need to knock Pitbull out. Like He's going to have to make a really big statement again to kind of get us to forget about that fight. That fight wasn't the most enjoyable fight to watch. Um, he was very strategic. He, in a way, you got to give Pitbull his props because you see what happened and you you can kind of tell like he did his homework you know he saw that aj was waiting for the counters and he forced aj into kind of his type of fight and aj did a good job at moments and a lot of i have no problem if you want to say aj mckee won that fight it was just that close the problem here was that pitbull just did his homework i, I think he i think he outcoached the mckee team this time this time around yeah, because when you get Ron Perlman or uh, what's the black fella's name that was Akeem's dad, James Earl Jones, like when you get one of those voices to say, A.J. McKee, undefeated after 23 fights, you know what I mean? They can make these guys and gals sound like gods, you know what I mean? The fact that you're undefeated. And so you're right, that is something that A.J. just 
doesn't have anymore. He's got the one loss, just like Izzy, just like Volkanovski, technically even just like Jones. Um, and, you know, Habib is kind of the only guy that really just doesn't have that problem, but they've all now had a loss, including AJ McKee. And so, yeah, will that hurt him at the bargaining table? Probably a little bit. I thought, man, you know, this guy had some fashion swag, some street swag. Um, and he was just disposing of people so quickly. If he can get past arguably the best Bellator fighter ever again, a couple more fights and cha-ching, you know, it, it'll really, really be hard to, to deny this guy. Um, but yeah, now I, I think it's best he stick around, settle the trilogy, which means probably 45 one more time. Don't worry about 55 for now. I mean, I guess if you want to go to Bellator and, and Fight the other pit bull. I get it. Uh, or you could just leave it at 1-1. You know, I don't know. I don't know what his strategy will be. If, if he just wants to go for the UFC, he may, you know, he may just elect to fight the other pit bull. Um, but, yeah, like, I was bummed, goes. I really wanted to see him stay undefeated. I, I wanted him and Volkanovski. Notice we haven't talked about who's better. Volkanovski mm-hmm. or McKee? We haven't. There's no need to talk about that one anymore. Volkanovski looked amazing one week ago, and AJ McKee just lost. Yeah, I mean, if if you look at, uh, I'm trying to think, like the way the UFC kind of approached the whole Kayla Harrison thing, they're playing a little bit more hardball, you know. So I I think that really does hurt them or hurts AJ McKee. So I think, if anything, it probably in the long run will help Bellator because I think AJ McKee will probably re-sign with Bellator now. Yeah, it could be. Now, one thing, so Kayla's super marketable. She's a superstar in the making. I wish the UFC really would have taken a chance on her because I think she could have been there, fought in there at least. But um, the plain truth of the matter is I, I, I believe there's only – Five featherweights, and she, mm-hmm. you know, she's a 55er cutting to 45 just to be with the UFC or Bellator. I don't think she can get to 35. I mean, she really, really is pretty jacked. She's a big, you know, big gal, but I don't mean that in the way people want to interpret it, but just sizable, you know, she's, I don't, I don't see her ever making 35. And so I think the UFC may have thought, well, shit, if Nunes retires soon, it's just you. I suppose we can build around you. But they've been trying. This is the second, if I'm not mistaken, this is the second ultimate fighter that's going to focus on trying to bring featherweights. Last time, if you'll recall, your finals was Kani Kanazad versus Macy Shasong. Well, now they're both at uh, Bantamweight. Like, kind of tried that already. They're, they're just, you know, there hasn't been that person even when sarah kaufman went to pfl and fought at lightweight she was a bantamweight champion she was a recent bantamweight champion in invicta larissa pacheco same thing you know they're all kind of moving up a division or whatever because they have to but in reality there's not many 55ers there's not many 45ers that i think is what hurts kayla harrison now for aj mckee if he had come over undefeated title defenses skins on the wall the ability to do 45 and 55, then I think maybe the UFC winds up writing a nice check. I, I don't know, you know, because because of the opposition. But, yeah, you're right, man. The UFC's been squeezing dimes lately. <laughs> yeah, that's going to hurt AJ for sure. 
Let's turn the page and talk about the UFC. Well, uh, congrats to Gaston Bolanos, Aaron Pico, uh, and Crutch, Shane Crutchman, who we interviewed as well, Bobby Serronio. Remember that guy? Serronio. Serronio, yeah, he got a win. I kind of kept an eye on some of these guys as well. And uh, they they got W's. Tyrell Fortune got a W. We interviewed him. So, hey, if you were on Junkie Radio recently, I guess with the exception of McKee, you did well. Um, UFC had their fight night. Oh, look like you wanted to say something? Well, I was going to say Corey, but, I mean, he was winning the fight. This is true. Yeah. Um. You know, before we turn the page goes, I did want to say, in case you're wondering, on MMA decisions, all the judges gave round one to Patricio Pitbull Frady. All the judges gave round two to Patricio Pitbull Frady. Round three, one judge gave it to McKee and two gave it to Frady. Round four... Two judges gave it to Frady, one gave it to McKee, and round five, they all gave it to McKee. I remember Big John's scorecard because the first time I saw it, the fight, I only saw the last two rounds. Then I went back and rewatched. But I thought McKee won the last two. And the judges only agree with me on round five. On round four, one judge does agree with me. It's Ron McCarthy, who, if I'm not mistaken, is, is Big John's son. Uh, Big John's scorecard. I don't. I never want to call it misleading because how can I put it to you? He's stated before, whether it's on his podcast weighing in or interviews when he sat down with MMA Junkie or just over the years, he's admitted it is a difficult thing to call a fight but also judge it. And so he's doing his best. But I would say I would say that if anyone that's at home or anyone that's throwing out, up a card. His gets taken pretty seriously. He had it 2-1 for McKee going into round three. He thought one and three went to McKee. Sorry, going into round four. That's why I thought even a 49-46 McKee was in play. But MMA decisions, basically the only 49-46 in play was Frady. And that was four cards. And then there was about 10 cards that came in at 48-47 Frady. And then there was three cards that came in at 48-47 McKee. So MMA decisions seems to support Frady. Me, upon watching it, I also concede that Frady could be a 48-47 winner. Um, and, yeah, that's that. Oh, speaking of Big John McCarthy, he says he rewatched Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yango's, and he's now saying that it was a close round, kind of like a take back a little bit. Um, yeah. Remember, we, we kind of had a we, – we didn't have a problem with him scoring it that way. But what we had a problem with was, or at least me, I don't want to throw you in, in, in that group, um, was him saying there's no way you could score it for, for Sterling. There was a way, you know. He was saying there's no way. Now I think he's saying it was a, it was a closer round than, than the first time I had watched it. And that's the that's, best throw I ever got out of him. That's a concession, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So the following night, the UFC obviously had, they were back in Las Vegas after a wonderful show in Jacksonville, Florida. Now they're back at the Apex and they had a, a dozen or so fights starting early in the day. Stop at the, the start at the top where um, I think that's obviously the 
the one that carried the most weight, Bilal Muhammad avenges his earlier loss to Leon Edwards earlier in his career. I mean, 2018, something like that. Uh, 2016, I think. He got knocked out by Leon Edwards in just over uh, a minute. And he comes back, evens the score, and now he's closer to a title shot goes than Vicente Luque. Did I say Leon Edwards a second ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vicente Luque. And, uh, yeah, Luque had hung a loss on him. So now he's one and one with Vicente Luque, and now he's in more of a prime spot. So you got Edwards probably challenging Usman. Shemaev is kind of being partnered up with Covington. And now you got Muhammad kind of next after that. So we can talk about that in just a second. Hey, who, who should we give uh, to Bilal Muhammad? But that's how prime of a position he's in right now uh, after this current streak and after this current win. I think he got there by staying active. You know, a lot of fighters sometimes take a little bit too much time. I think Bilal was been one even during the pandemic that was just trying to fight as much as he could. And he's improved a lot along the way. So now the situation that we're left, I mean, it was a pretty damn good performance. You know, Vicente Luque is a tough cat. And Bilal had answers to a lot of things. He's shown that, you know, he can take fighters down as well. Like his striking as well is great. So I think the situation that we're left in is now it's one of those where when you look at like John Jones and Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou and all that, I think it's the one that plays the most ball with the UFC really can kind of get uh, – because I think Leon Edwards, no matter what, will get the next shot. But as exactly. far as – you got like Hamzat Shemaev, right, and Covington, but you could have Bala Mahomet and Covington. I think it just comes down to who plays the most ball out of those three. Mohammed said, I'll take Hamzat or Covington, and I'll guess what? I'll fight him in either July or August. So he's already saying, I'm willing to play ball, coach. Put me in. And I'm willing to take one of these two cats if they don't want to face each other. So I loved his call out. He gave a little bit of a shout out towards Palestine without kind of being overbearing. You know, a lot of people, if you guys want to get into it, but a lot of people are like, leave the politics out. You know, we had an incident with a a fighter in the UFC who gave a shout out um, to uh, a notorious gangster, you know, an Irish gangster. And, and so I was looking at the comments over the weekend, or mainly last night, and holy cow, that was a bigger story than I had seen because I watched the fights in San Diego. But we, I was with a buddy, and I was engaged and talking, and so I, I wasn't paying attention to every single word, the press conference, or, or social media or anything like that. Uh, and then when I got home, I realized, geez, this thing was was really a lot, you know, was, was really, really pretty big. But, uh, yeah, he gave a shout-out to Palestine. He laid out who he could possibly fight and when. And then he even talked about how much that loss he had to shake versus um, Vicente Luque, the first one. He got knocked out. He said it weighed on his mind. And let's not forget, this guy was fasting two weeks, the last couple weeks, because of Ramadan, his observance of Ramadan, where you can't eat or drink water during sunlight. So he had to kind of change that a little bit, you know. And mm-hmm. I remember after, let me see, in, in rounds one and two, he got takedowns. In round three, rounds three and four, he got takedowns, but Luke got up. And I thought, oh, man, Muhammad is draining quicker than Luke. His gas tank is draining quicker than Luke. And Luke won round three. And I remember I thought, okay, I think Luke may be able to pull, pull out four and five here, man. Muhammad might be in some trouble. But nope, he had another gear. 
Yeah, no, it was a good performance for him overall, really, when you think about it. Uh, everything blended well, and he's shown that he can hang, dude. He really – like, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to take that back. It's not that he can't hang. It's that he can give these guys a lot of trouble. Like I said, Vicente Luke is a great fighter, but he didn't really have an answer for Bilal Muhammad. His confidence is through the roof right now. Exactly. And so now he's won seven straight. He had one no contest against Leon Edwards. Remember the accidental eye poke last year. But yeah, it goes, he has stayed busy since 2019, April 13th of 2019. So exactly, exactly, no, one day away from being three years ago, he's won seven fights. I think the only thing that may hurt him is there's only been one finish. It was to Takashi Sato. But basically, Curtis Millinder, Lyman Good, Diego Lima, Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson, and Vicente Luque all got decisioned by Bilal Muhammad. Um, and, and, and so that obviously sometimes can hurt, you know, the fighters' ascension towards title status. They're looking for those statement wins, those finishes. But you can't argue with the body of work. He's been active. Um, nobody's forgetting who Bilal Muhammad is. We, we, we remember the name. We remember the show. It's because he's active, but yeah, you know, any way you cut it, Stephen Thompson is a way different fighter from Vicente Luque, and they're way different fighters from Damian Maya. So he's even solving different puzzles as well along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Really, when you think about it, those, those two, Stephen Thompson and Damian Maya, are like the complete opposite. So yeah, he has seen a lot. And he's willing to fight soon. And he's Five popular months, because he's also on the desk for. Uh, um, for 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 ESPN, mm-hmm. five rounds too. Five rounds, and imagine, dude. We I, th- I think the sun's been coming up here around what five? I don't know. Yeah, about five, and it goes down about seven ish. He, I don't even, t- dude. I don't even know what he was able to eat uh, on fight day. Mm-hmm. He may have had to like carb load. Around 4 a.m. or something, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. But remember, this was an early start time. They started at 2.30 p.m. for the prelims, and they started at 5.30 p.m. for the uh, for, for the main card. So he probably thought, well, no, I take it back, goes. He may have been able to squeeze in something as the sun was going down. The sun goes down at, you know, I'll, let me look real quick. Because we're in Vegas. He fought in Vegas, so I can give you an accurate answer. This was only two days ago. Um, the sun's supposed to go down today at 717. He probably fought after 717, but he probably couldn't also eat so much that, you know, he he would be stuffed either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of fighters don't mess with that. You know, look at uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. He, he wouldn't fight during this time. He wouldn't fight during this time, but Bilal Muhammad did. He did observe, um, but he trained around it. So, man... How can you not respect what this guy did? And as far as Vicente Luque, he had an amazing streak before this loss. And now he doesn't just fall and take this huge tumble down the st- the rankings or anything like that. No, not the case. He had beaten Chiesa, Woodley, Randy Brown, Nico Price, uh, four in a row before that loss to Stephen Thompson. And before that, Mike Perry, Brian Barberina, Jalen Turner, and, um, a few other guys. He had won six. So he had won 10. Of 11 going into this fight, but he takes his tumble. And even though he's 1-1 with Bilal Muhammad, 
he's not uh he's not the guy. You know, Bilal Muhammad's kind of the guy. But Sunte Luke will most likely have to take someone coming off a loss. Who could that be? It ain't gonna be Gilbert Burns because they're homies. They kind of corner each other, so it won't be him. But it could be like a Masvidal, maybe. You know, I don't know. Masvidal and Edwards, and and they can't solve things soon because Edwards has a title fight. Masvidal's already settled things with Covington. That's done. So maybe Masvidal versus Luke. That would be fun to watch from a throwing hands uh, perspective. And then as far as what's next for Bilal Muhammad, hell, I was thinking Gilbert Burns. What more do you want? This I got to give credit to Mike Bond. He was also covering it in his Sean Shelby's Shoes uh, article. Why wouldn't the teammate want to avenge? And then Gilbert Burns' stock, we, we said it the other day. We got to stick with it. It didn't drop much after losing to Hamza Shemaev. So Gilbert Burns versus Bilal Muhammad, that would be a fun one. Yeah, that would be a good one. I have a feeling they're not. Well, it's what makes the most sense, but I have a feeling they're not going to play that card. Really? Yeah. Well, who's next for Muhammad, in your opinion? I Like I said, I think that little, that little uh, threesome there, I think the UFC likes playing that game of, all right, let's see who plays ball. This is how much we want to pay. This is where we want to do it. Let's see who who uh, protests first, and we kick that guy out, and then the two that are left, they go at it. Right. All right. Here were some of the winners from the Fight Night card, and then we'll close up shopping just a bit here. Kyle Baraglio defeated Gadzi Omar Gadziev. Technical decision. Uh, this was the co-main event. Andre Filal defeated Miguel Baeza. Things were not going Fial's way mm-hmm. early. I thought Baeza was going to cruise to a win. Um, Myra Bueno Silva defeated Wu Yanan. Pat Sabatini defeated TJ Laramie. Munir Lazaz defeated Ange Luza. Uh, Devin Clark defeated William Knight. Penny Kianzan defeated Lena Landsberg. Dracar Close defeated Brandon Jenkins. Rafa Garcia defeated Jesse Ronson. Uh, Martin Boudet defeated Chris Barnett, Barnett, excuse me, Jordan Levitt <laughs> defeated Trey Ogden. Dan, Tals, Dan Tom says, Jordan, you'll love it. I love it. <laughs> Do you remember Levitt's the furniture comer, uh, furniture place? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Almost pretty funny. I have to give him credit on that one. I I, I was I was uh, laughing out loud. Sam Hughes defeated I, uh, Estella Nunez and Haile Alatang defeated Haley uh, Alatang defeated Kevin Kroom. All right, so look, some of these fights, I, I'm never going to disrespect them and say they didn't matter. It's just we have a little bit of a time constraint. Can't talk about all of them. I want to give a shout-out to Dracar Close because during the week, reading about him still having those problems goes from the Jeremy Stevens show about a year ago. Holy cow, like credit to him. You know, He says, I don't want to piss off the big people or whatever, but we may have a problem going down the road, so I don't know if he's hinting at maybe a possible lawsuit going, or, or he just wants some love thrown his way. Who knows? But he did go out there. He fought. He won. He smashed Brandon Jenkins. And then Piani, Kanzad, and Lena Landsberg, I don't know. I mean, their faces were as bloody as you can get, man. These ladies went after it. No way they'll be looking good for at least the next couple of weeks. I mean, they were – it looked like a, a gory, a scary movie. thought it was like – Yeah, all the ladies in the card. Huh? All the ladies on the card kind of brought it this time around. For and, sure. Um, but you're right with Jakar Close. Like that, essentially, it's like whiplash. You know, the way his body reacted to that shove. 
So it doesn't shock me one bit that that, that caused problems for him. Mm-hmm. I agree. Dracar Close and William Knight, or sorry, Devin Clark and, and William Knight, they just keep moving up in weights, it seems like. Uh, but they're still performing, man. And they had a great fight. I really enjoyed their fight. You know, shout out to them. Shout out to Devin Clark. Um, and then, so Munir Lazes. So the controversy there, folks, not to spend too much time on it, but he gave a shout out to somebody who this week um, had, it was the United States government put a $5 million bounty on him. So backstage, a reporter who just moved to the United States, uh, Las Vegas to be more exact. Apparently he's a, a respected journalist who's covered boxing and other sports. He went the way of questioning him about why the shout out and what's your relationship and do you realize who you're talking about? Um, so Junkie, obviously we cover it all. If it was, you know, we had a, a person there present, we recorded it and everything. But uh, all I'll say about this is because this turned into a big mess and honestly, this could be its own show. I think if he doesn't give the shout out, I'm not sure somebody goes, hey, we've looked at your social media and we've noticed or, you know, in the past that you have an association with this person. But because he gave him the shout out and because this week that happened, I think the question was appropriate. There was a follow up. I'll give credit to Lizay's who said, I was not aware. I will investigate. But can we talk about my fight? Like, you got to imagine what he's going through after a fight, like, you know, all starving for six weeks or eight weeks and the training and how he's feeling, you know, someone just threw punches and kicks and, you know, at his face. And even though he did most of that damage, I, I thought he had kind of cleared those questions and he was welcoming the others, but he really only brought it on himself with the shout out. So I'll leave it at that. That's, that's kind of what I thought. Um, people were starting to compare it to Hamsat and Kataroff or whatever. And, and I get it, but this is something that recently really did happen in the news. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Did, did you have any thoughts on it? Did you read, did, did you read up on it? Uh, what'd you think? I had never heard of that guy before in my life. <laughs> so that was all kind of news to me. Yeah. But uh, you got to know these types of things, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, on the heels of, of the Chechenian guy and all that. It's like, God damn, like, who are these people associating with? Yeah, and and the journalist who again seems to be respected across the board, uh, he got about four questions and then they eventually moved on. But I thought after two, we were clear with what his stance was, and I thought the fighter handled it pretty politely, like he wasn't snarky back. And so I thought it was a point where we probably should move on, maybe you know. And um, he can obviously request an interview with the fighter and and maybe have some follow-ups, but. Now, do I buy that the fighter wasn't aware of any of it? I, I, I That one would be hard to believe for me. He may not have been aware of that transaction that happened earlier this week, but the shadiness of the of the, of the the gentleman, come on, man. That, that one would be tough to get around. But what do I know? Anyway, um, and then in uh, the co-main event goes real quick. I, I thought, how do you take a point away from somebody? And then they were in a position where I thought you could clearly see that arm down you know, because of the hesitation before you throw the knee. So then how could it be accidental? Accidental is more like, you know, you're coming at me and I just kind of like, oh, I throw my hand up. And maybe because I throw my hand up, I didn't close my fist. My finger goes in your eye. That's accidental. Or maybe you're trying to kick my inner thigh and I happen to maybe make a quick move. And so now all of a sudden you kick me in the nuts. That could be accidental because I was moving, you were moving or whatever. But here in this type of a position uh, where you can kind of see where you're kneeing, 
And then the ref goes, that was intentional. I'm taking a point off. And now all of a sudden the result was accidental. I didn't get that. I didn't agree with that. I understand it either. His hand actually was down. It's like, it's not, it wasn't the game, you know, where they kind of like lift it, put it down, lift it. He just went straight down with his hand and it had been there for a couple seconds. So yeah, that's unfortunate. This whole weekend was just marred by these types of situations. It sucks. Yeah. Where it sucks is anyone that bet the guy that lost, they thought they were going to get themselves a win. <laughs> but he has a case, I'm telling you, he has a case with the commissions to maybe getting it overturned. Too late for anyone to cash in. And for those that won that, that may not have won, otherwise it's too late for them to – I hope you went and cashed your ticket already in case it does get reversed. But anyway, yeah, it was a very controversial weekend, folks. But we were here to cover it. At MMA Junkie, and of course, all these stories in detail on MMA Junkie. You got to check them out. Uh, Goes and I are back at it this week. We will be interviewing some fighters. We'll be doing the spinning back click uh, series. And of course, you know, you'll see us active on social media. I'm at MMA Junkie George. Goes is at the Goes. The show is at MMA Junkie Radio. And once again, we thank you for all those kind messages that still keep pouring in for us reaching the 15 year mark of. The history of the show, along with show number 3,250 this past uh, Monday. This will be show number 3,252. And we thank you all so much for always tuning in. Oh, special shout out to Cupcake Katie. Never fails good. Send us a card congratulating us uh, on, on that historical event. So thank you to Katie. And folks, we will see you all on Thursday. Go out there and be a champion.